welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got change last week. Yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, <laughs> uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. That's Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you and she's on top. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Holly, tell me about your week in Manchester this week. Yeah, it's been uh, been all right. Been rainy as usual. Absolute classic. Um, yeah, I've had a bit of uni this week. Um, are you even at university if you haven't thought about dropping out about six times? Um, so yeah, that's been interesting. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually done that much else. Just the mundane. I've got busy busy weekend coming up. I have some visitors coming up tomorrow. Um, yes, I'm coming to see you, Paul. I haven't see seen you. you for six weeks or so, so it'll Seven be really, weeks. really nice to to physically see you rather than just on a screen. Uh, that'll be really good. I'm on half term this week, so I managed to get over to Ireland for a few days um, uh, to see my mum, and that's been lovely. And um, and then I've been in, doing a couple of days of work, and then really looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yes, that'll be good. Um, won't be recording the podcast in person. You have to wait a few more weeks for that. Um, but yeah, that's been my week trying to vaguely follow cricket. Oh, I went to some football, did that. But yeah, other than that, it's been quite quiet and mundane. Quiet and mundane. That's okay. <laughs> I'll take that most weeks. That's 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 a win when you get to my age, definitely. Maybe at your age you're expecting something a bit more exciting. <laughs> but quiet and mundane is absolutely brilliant. There's been some WBBL happening this week. Yeah, there's been quite a bit going on. So... If we, I mean, we've been focusing on the England players, so let's look at them again. Um, Heather Knight's had a decent couple of weeks. Uh, she got 52 not out from 31 against the Renegades. Tammy Beaumont has just continued this epic stream of form. So she got 37 from 29 against uh, Sydney Thunder and then got 43 from 24 against the Sixers. Now, that 37 from 29 was against Lisa Kiley's team. So <laughs> I was quite satisfied with that. Um, yeah, decent strike rate, if you have to say. Um, Amy Jones got a couple of runs for the Scorchers. So she got 28 from 19 against the Sixers. Um, I saw that was a classic Amy Jones cameo, wasn't it? Yeah. Just what's needed in, as you're getting into the, the last three overs or so. Yeah, Capsie's taken a couple of wickets and then she got runs um the other day she got 31 from 25 Lindsay smith as well has got a couple of wickets uh 220 against the scorchers i would really like to see some bigger performances from danny gibson george adams i'm i'm really hoping to see that and then actually my boucher's had a couple of good games but i want to see a bit more consistency same with dunkley has had some unfortunate run out not like she just had different she had that that one um what was it that happened? I can't even remember. Oh, when she pulled the stump out of the ground. Yeah. Oh no, that was that was Mignon, wasn't it? Oh, but Mignon was... was that one where it deflected. Yeah, and there was another one. It wasn't that, but there was something similar where it was really unlucky that um, Spear Dunkley got out. I can't remember. Well, I mean, 
kind of on that note to do with that yeah there's been a lot of um players actually been very vocal like publicly vocal not even just behind the scenes um speaking about umpiring and um DRS and things like that because not all the games have DRS which makes it quite unfair because also it depends on the ground you're at and so some teams will have more games with DRS than others I didn't realize that that is really strange because yeah. that's just inconsistent isn't well, it exactly um and so a lot of players aren't very happy because the umpiring on the field I, I think there have been a lot of wrong decisions but normally that can be assessed or backed up by um DRS and for example with the minion run out I don't think the umpires even looked over that like the umpire just said out and there was no sort of review or anything not even checking for the run out anything like that which I think is very very inconsistent because there have been other games where it's been checked and so yeah teams that are based at a ground where they've got DRS that's a massive advantage for them um so it is very inconsistent and I know the Harrises have spoken about it there are a couple of other players as well um who have said stuff either publicly or privately and so it is a bit of a concern because I think about the hundred and you have DRS at every occasionally it's gone down and things like that but <laughs> it's it's been relatively consistent and the umpiring hasn't really come under much scrutiny, I don't think. Like, I don't think there's been many controversial de- decisions. But there was a Lizelle stump. It basically, Lizelle should have been out. Um, and she went on to hit 60 more runs and kind of won the game based off that. And actually, it should have been out. And when you look back at it, it's out. But there was no review at all. Um, that, that's a another game crazy. Happen. Because before DRS was there, mm-hmm. the ability to do a line decision was already mm-hmm. there and was an yeah. established part of the game for, for runouts and stumpings. Yeah. So this is not going on the sort of you know ball tracking technology or whatever. It's yeah. just because a, a line decision really, really clear, isn't it? it yeah. It, it's in or out. So I find it surprising they're not even using that. Yeah, because I don't think that, I mean, I could be wrong. So any Aussies or anyone who's followed it really closely like feel free to correct us but I just I don't think that even happened particularly when I think of the Lizelle Lee one because that I mean that would have taken just a replay you don't need really really like loads of high tech and stuff um because it uh, I think I know what it is as well I heard I think it was on the scoop podcast which is like done by Cricket Australia um it was saying about if it's on channel seven then um you will have the review but if it's not then I don't think you will because of the amount of cameras and stuff um so they can because if it's just I mean I think about this with like if it's kind of like a stream like the RHF obviously I think it's a bit more high tech for WBBL but you don't have that technology I mean even with Lanx TV you probably don't have that technology um but if it's on like a big broadcaster then they have the ability to check that so that's mad to me as well because that's a tv pick like i can't imagine the the teams decide that that's the broadcaster's decision so they'll probably put i don't know like the sydney smash on there and some of the bigger more like derbies and competitive games but i don't think every game's on there um so again that's just another thing because with the hundred all the games are on sky and then some are on bbc so you have 
consistency with um yeah like the tech that's there and whatever yeah yeah because i think with it with a line decision you've got to have cameras parallel to that line yeah. on both sides yeah um because if you've just got one camera on mm. one side and a, a fielder could get in the way and so you won't be able to see it yeah um but that yeah that needs sorting out really that's mm. that's really quite amateurish i think considering mm. you know the amount of money that's around the wbbl yeah. and the reputation of it it, it seems exactly. not quite right to me mm. in terms of the minion run out that is, it's it's a rare thing mm. um, where the, when the bales have been removed and you want to complete a run out, you have to remove a stump from the ground whilst yeah. holding the ball or yeah. whack the stumps with the ball so hard that the stumps are uproot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what, now was it Amanda Jade Wellington? Yeah, it was. That's that's what she did. She, she had the ball, <laughs> ball in her hand and, and lifted the, the stump out of the ground. And it was yeah. a yeah, it was a great bit of quick thinking, really. So Mignon was, um, yeah, it all happened so fast. She was still out of the ground. Yeah, well, I mean, there was debate about whether that was out with if you're supposed to have the ball and the stump in the same hand or if it has to be different. What well, all this stuff? I just stayed out. Of it. I was like, do you know what? <laughs> What's done is done. It's not going to change anything. So I'm going to ignore it for now. Um, but we've had two pieces of news about injuries and people being ruled out. So the first, obviously, is quite of interest to us with Lauren Winfield Hill being ruled out with a quad injury for the remainder of the WBBL. So it's clearly severe enough to know that for a sustained amount of time she'll be out. Um, whether that affects a potential England A tour, I don't know. Whether she'd be picked anyway, I don't know, because if they're just trying to, if it's an A team as in we're trying to build for the future or if it's kind of fringe players, I don't know. Um and then the other one, actually, it does relate to the UK. Alyssa Healy, bitten by a dog, ruled out of uh, the rest. Also, her dog is one of the dogs that makes up an XL bully. <laughs> so, could be banned. So, she was bitten by her own dog. She's been by, uh, so she's got two dogs. And from my understanding, mm-hmm. they started fighting. She stuck her hand in the middle and got eaten. So, yeah, she's trying to like separate them. Well, um, yeah, not good. It, not good. It's it's one of those bizarre sport, non-sporting yeah. sports injuries, isn't it? Well, it's um, like during um during the I think this is a, a theme with Danny Van Nierkirk because during the WBBL a couple of years ago, she um got a nasty. I think it was a finger cut from she was slicing an avocado, and like, <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. And then obviously she had her leg one falling on decking i'm like what are yeah. the household injuries are de- and then in the men's game you you have a plague of golf which is yeah giving everyone broken limbs concussions all sorts yeah. so my favorite one from from many years ago was a footballer who missed half a season by dropping a bottle of salad cream on his foot <laughs> <laughs> oh, obviously it reminds me of joffra archer with um the fish tank he's like cleaning a fish tank and he gets i'm like how like how does this happen because i don't even think half this stuff happens happens to regular civilians it's never happened no I, I think you can definitely insert a sort of conspiracy theory into any of yeah. them as to, ah but yeah. i know the real story behind that yeah well um anyway to be fair i do believe this uh it's not even an xl bully but when i saw it i just think of an xl bully attacking Alyssa healy so anyway 
So she's ruled out for the remainder, and it does leave a question of whether she'll be available for Australia's next series. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, speaking of tours and series, England have announced a tour to their tour to India, and um, also the A tour. So they're going to have two almost parallel. So the A A games are going to happen a little bit before the England games. Um, but this is all late November, early December. Um, and it's quite exciting. There's going to be a test match. Going to be four days. Um, but regardless, there's a test match. Yeah, it's very exciting to get a test match. Not a five-day test match, though. Just a four-day test match. So I reckon it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I think that's almost inevitable. Um, particularly with like the standards of England and India. When I think about the test match... Um, in June 2022, one, 2021, um, against India at mm-hmm. Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so hugging the balance. Um, yes. And a fifth day would have probably make it, made a difference. But yeah, anyway, um, four-day test, that'll be interesting with conditions in India. Um, yeah, really. F- I mean, I did not know about... Um, I I know people say oh it's really difficult to play India in India, um but I actually didn't take into account so much of the conditions and things because I know they've spoken about this during the men's World Cup, but things like air quality, mm-hmm. um the air quality is so much worse in some cities in India compared to, you know Taunton where it's actually to be fair the air quality sometimes is a bit bad in Taunton but um, <laughs> that smell of cider manure. drifting across <laughs> fermenting apples I was thinking more manure than cider um, <laughs> <laughs> you can tell when you get to Taunton though it's not it's not even funny like you get out of the car I'm like whoa um but th- factors like that that for a lot of players it might be their first time playing in India, that's a massive thing to adapt to. I mean, I know there are a couple of players that have been there before or played in the WPL, um, but I'll be interested to see because I'd imagine, particularly with the A team, there'll be a lot of younger players. Um, well, I'm hoping there will be. Um, and a lot of players that either haven't played much abroad or definitely haven't played in India. So I'm fascinated to see how that series goes. Yes, I, I think it's... That's the unknown factor, isn't it? And it's it's a long time since England played a Test match in India. I think it's two thousand five yeah. was the the last time they played a Test match there. And I think just learning about those conditions, adapting to those conditions, mm. it's going to be really interesting to see how England deal with it, how England cope yeah. with it. You're right. There are some people with experience of the WPL, so that will help them mm. um, a lot because they'll be more familiar with the conditions. But I think it's it's a tough test. I think for yeah. any cricket team going to play India away, it's it's one of the toughest things you can do. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see exactly where we're at uh, when it comes to uh, to playing India. And you know, old rivalries there. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the last the last time we played India was at was at Lords, the yeah. infamous occasion at Lords. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the um, um, uh, yeah, how the teams get on, shall we say. It, do you know what? We I won't say the incident, but I thought I was over it until last week at cricket. Um, 
someone had mentioned like oh you, like because we're talking about backing up and the, the importance of backing up mm-hmm. and the coach briefly mentioned oh it's like really important saying your crease because otherwise you can get insert word mm-hmm. um, and um and then someone who, who never played cricket before tried to do, do it during just like a quick cricket indoor thing and I was I got and I was like no 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 we do not do that I was like and I, I said I turned around to the captain I was like if people are going to do that in this club no they, they can't do that's just not okay I was fuming and I was like wow I thought I was over this so hopefully <laughs> hopefully there'll be none of that um because wow um yeah what would I do if it happened in somewhere I, I wasn't because at Lords, at least I was present. I witnessed it with my own eyes. Oh gosh. Um. But anyway, I'm hoping there will be big crowds. Um. I'm really because I remember with India Australia, that was immense. The the crowds they got, the atmosphere, the sold out grounds. I want that again. So I don't know what sort of marketing is going on. But I mean, it's India. People will turn up for cricket. But I mean, I think about the test. That's obviously four days of stadiums to fill. Hopefully, it will uh, it will attract big big audiences. Yeah, I think all the matches are in Mumbai. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. It, so you know, there's a definite clientele. <laughs> yeah. Within Mumbai, you can you can market it to. I guess the frustration is that the it only gets released. You know, a few weeks before the game whereas you know the ECB as soon as one summer is finished they're marketing the next Mm. summer and we know the dates and the fixtures of England's games against Pakistan and New Zealand yeah and there's all this stuff going out constantly saying you know 80% Mm. of tickets sold yeah suddenly when we go abroad we don't know anything and and it, it seems really strange when England men go abroad the Barmy Army organized tours. Yeah. There are travel agencies that send plane loads of people over there, you know, particularly for ashes, but also yeah. but even like West India, Indies, yeah. Pakistan, a whole load of yeah. fans went there. It would be good to see that growing, but it can mm. only grow when things are announced what months exactly? in advance rather than weeks in advance. Yeah. It's really frustrating. I mean, I don't know how father players find out in, in advance I would imagine it's a while but I also don't entirely know the reasons why you would keep it quiet like unless they're they're panicking and trying to find their news and they can't announce it um because I mean we know the tours until like is it 2025 with the future tours yes. program That's so it's nice. like well we know this is happening just give us a bit of info because it's not we're not trying to do anything bad with the information we're only gonna do good like we we want to know when we can watch it or if people want to travel out that sort of thing so yeah it, that, I mean that's a bit of a dream of mine at, at some mm. point in my life to to go and travel out there in fact when I was much younger me and my dad and my brother went out to see England men play the ashes in Australia and mm. I'd love to go and see England women play on a tour somewhere in the world you know, probably we could go to Barbados or somewhere like oh, that. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so we will make it But, but how, how could that happen well, when you yeah. get three weeks' notice? It's yeah. crazy. Because it's also way more expensive then to book stuff three, with three weeks to go. 
Um, so yeah, hopefully that will will change a bit. And um, yeah, we'd like to. I want to know stuff in advance, please. I like I like to plan. <laughs> um, I think it is time to introduce our guest. Yes, we have a, another European cricket guest. Yeah, we spoke to Hannah Rainey, who plays for Scotland, also uh, was part of the Oval Invincible squad this year. And occasionally we'll get called out, you know, three in the morning to do, go and do a cesarean on a cow, which is something I never thought we would say on the podcast. But it made for a very, very fascinating conversation. And she's about to do something really brave and embark on a bit of a new journey so um yeah you can find out all about it in our chat with hannah so firstly what's your cricket story and how did cricket all start for you well, I actually, I, I was born in London and I lived in Kent till I was 10. And then we moved, my whole family sort of relocated to Scotland. Um, and when I started at school, we were like sort of buddied up with um, a pupil who'd been at the school before to sort of help you settle in. And, and my my buddy, Harriet, became best friends. Her dad worked at the local cricket club as like the secretary. Um, and she took me along to like quick cricket sessions after school. And I think never really looked back from there. Um, stayed at that club for think like 15 years um before I moved to Cumbria so um yeah that's kind of how I got involved and it kind of all just spiraled from there but I didn't really start playing hardball cricket until I was 17 um I, my first sort of hardball games were playing for Scotland the 17s and um, which was definitely an experience um and probably why I'm a bit more of a bowler than a batter that's really funny so um essentially you grew up in England until you were 10 never contact got in contact with cricket or played cricket at all and it's actually moving to Scotland that meant that you got to play cricket that's kind of the wrong way around isn't it yeah very much so and like my dad played cricket growing up he's from Northern Ireland and like he loved it but he just didn't even know like it was a thing for girls like he didn't realize that any girls played it at all um and like he's like oh I wish I played with you in the back garden now but yeah anyway we we are where we are now (laughs) brilliant so in 2018 you got picked to represent Scotland. So that's what, five years ago. So how old how old are you five years ago? Uh, I was uh, just turned 21 when I played my first Scotland game, um, which is quite late as a, a debut for Scotland players. Generally, they all make their debut in their teens, but I kind of missed out on that phase. I, I never really took cricket that seriously. I, I played for Scotland under 17s, but at the time, I think it was sort of if you played a bit of cricket, and you had a um some potential you kind of could get involved with that um so yeah i i went to uni i went to study vet medicine um at edinburgh and part of my reason for choosing that vet school was that they had a cricket team and i really enjoyed playing cricket um so i just carried on doing that all the way through uni and it wasn't until my third year i they sort of started up a scotland under 21s team for just one year i don't know what happened to it after that and i played a few games and the head coach of that was the head coach of the scotland women's team and um yeah, he sort of spoke to me and said, we think you've got a lot of potential Um, we'll be interested in working with you. And I never heard anything of it until November that year. I was sat in a third year lecture at uni and got an email saying I'd been selected for the Scotland winter training squad. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was the only person who wasn't already in that squad that was brought in as a, as a newbie. And I was, as I say, like I'd played with some of the girls at under 17s, but they'd be playing in the senior team for a few years at that point. So, yeah, it was a bit of a 
couldn't really believe it had happened and then um definitely felt like I was the worst one there for a long time and I just really enjoyed it just worked really really hard and I think that selection like I wasn't really expected to be in that squad at all um I was quite far off selection when I came into the squad and I just decided to give it my all whilst I was at uni and and yeah somehow ended up being selected for that squad that's quite remarkable because it's so rare that people make an international debut kind of based off playing uni cricket and things like that so when you left uni what happened there because presumably you were still in the Scotland setup but you weren't you're only playing club cricket how did that kind of work with training and, and actually trying to keep up with cricket yeah so I was at uni for quite a long time I did six years I actually extended my degree by one so that I could play in those qualifiers um there was a qualifier in Scotland in 2019 that I knew that if I was in my final year at vet school I'd be on rotations and wouldn't be able to do so decided to do a, an intercalated BSc which then meant I just had one extra summer holiday <laughs> I knew that that was the time to play cricket so I kind of yeah carried on playing all the way through uni I don't really know how how I managed to balance it when I look back because it was quite intense um and in my final year obviously we were kind of in COVID lockdown so I think that probably helped a little bit because I couldn't do anything other than uni there wasn't much cricket going on um I think I did I missed one tour that summer in 2021 the Ireland series because um I couldn't get out of my uni rotations and I knew that it was only one week and then I was done with uni so I was like well I can't I can't be too upset about that but um yeah I when I left uh, uni in 2021 I decided to um, move to Cumbria for my first job as a mixed vet um, it was kind of a, a bit of a tricky situation because I knew that the cricket in Cum Cumbria wasn't amazing um, but I knew it was only two hours up the road to get to training in Scotland and we usually trained at the weekends anyway and I was kind of interested in seeing if I could dip my toe in the sort of regional setup down here um, so yeah kind of took a bit of a leap of faith and thankfully it's worked out in my favour. It, yeah, I mean that, that's amazing. Now we we keep re referring to, to your uh, role as a vet, so I, I that, this is a question we've got down on a list further on. But I think we need to we need to pick up up <laughs> because uh, first of all, to get into vet school, you've got to be super smart, haven't you? <laughs> you, you you've got to have like off the scale grades uh, to do that, and then and then they work you blooming hard, don't they? Uh, as well, because there's a there's a lot of stuff to to get to know. So you talked a lot about the balancing those things up how's that working out now because I'd imagine working as a vet is is really really challenging yeah um I kind of have a bit of a joke about it with quite a lot of my friends and family like oh I don't really know how you do it all and I say that it kind of balances me out because they're so different to each other but they're both quite intense um so like having when I'm having a bad time at work or, or when I was at uni anyway like I'd have cricket to go to and I had a lot of fun there and then you know if cricket wasn't going so well then I always had something else that was that I was working towards anyway so um that definitely helped I think yeah so Cricket Scotland brought in contracts in April this year um and I was lucky enough to be given one of those contracts so at that point I decided to go part-time at work um which was about 18 months after I started at work um, I dropped to three days a week and so I have sort of two days of training playing cricket a week um, which I do down in Manchester um, with the Thunder and um, yeah and then I kind of go up to Scotland on the weekends and train there and then between that it's just balancing juggling on call weekends and thankfully my practice have been really supportive of my cricket my, my boss and my mentor is quite a big cricket fan so he's always been quite flexible with me 
think I'd only started the job about three weeks before we got told that we had a tour in Malaysia in the January and we'd be away for four and four weeks. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> um, but thankfully they they were really supportive. They let me go for the whole time. And um, yeah, they've just been, they've been really great about it. That's right. So you said you mixed vet practice. Now tell tell us what that means. Is that, I'm thinking Cumbria, I'm thinking we're talking farm here. Yeah, so I predominantly um, do farm animal work and equine work, so um, cows, sheep, horses. Um, I do do quite a bit of small animal as well, sort of when the farm side isn't as busy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real variety. I, I only do large animal on call, which means getting called out in the middle of the night to go carve a cow, to do a cesarean, um, that sort of thing. So it is really, it's, it's just, yeah, I, I love it. I never really thought, having grown up in Edinburgh, that I would end up living in as a rural farm vet. But um, yeah, it's it's been fake great fun we see we didn't plan this properly Polly. we should have asked listeners to bring in their animal related uh, questions my dog limps a bit funny when it's raining uh, um, <laughs> now and correct me if i'm wrong there's there's another scottish sportswoman who's also a vet isn't there is it is it laura muir who's a vet as well yeah yeah laura muir she um yeah she's very good runner <laughs> um, but yeah she qualified as a vet a few years ago I'm not sure if she's actually done much practicing work I have no idea to be honest but yeah I do know that yeah she qualified and then next year I think was in like the Olympics crazy I trust her with my pet cow to be fair so yeah you know. yeah definitely. To be, that is probably the coolest thing a podcast guest has ever said they're just like very section on a cow very <laughs> the night that's <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it's not as fun or glamorous, though, when you've got to leave at six o'clock in the morning to get to Manchester for training and you're like up at two o'clock and you're like, oh, God, this is not a good idea. But um, yeah, it's it's been fun. I've kind of I've made a bit of a difficult decision recently. I've decided to sort of put a hold on my career. I'm leaving my job at the end of November to try, try and do cricket full time. Um, it's a bit of a risk, um, but I just know that, you know, I'm, I'm not young. I'm, I'm 26, so I feel like in terms of cricket I've just got to give it a go and, and I'll regret it if I don't and yeah it was a really tough sort of couple of months making that decision but I kind of feel a bit better now I have sort of handed in my notice and, and everyone knows what's going on so yeah wow yeah I, that is well it's brave isn't it it's brave and um you mentioned about going to Manchester tell us about Thunder and 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 last season because am I right in saying you you were part of the Thunder setup last year yeah, so in sort of 2022, I saw that there was a session uh, for like talent observation for Thunder women and girls cricket. So I, I didn't really know anyone in there. I didn't know how to get involved in the setup. So I just went along and quite quickly they came over to speak to me to find out who I was, where I'd come from. Um, and from that, I got invited to go to the training. But at the time, I was still working full time. So I was working four and a half days a week. Um, so I went you know, I went down every half day. So I finished at half one and then would drive two and a half hours to Manchester, train for two hours and then drive the same back. Um, and then, yeah, it was a bit crazy. Um, and then over winter, I sort of went to four days a week and was on trial with them over winter. But I was only there one day a week and everyone else was training sort of four days a week. So um, I didn't I didn't know if I was going to get anywhere, to be honest. And then thankfully, they, they decided that they wanted to sign me over um, the summer. And I that was kind of coincided with my contract with Cricket Scotland starting. So I then went part time at work and then 
use my contract to go to cricket to down to Thunder and Cricket Scotland. We're really happy for us to do that. They they're happy for us to go and, and use our contracts wherever the cricket is best for us. Um. So yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind summer driving to Manchester twice a week, which is something like ten hours of driving in total just to get to training. But um, hopefully it'll be worth it. I know they need to establish a big cricket centre in in rural Cumbria, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, in some ways, it was worth it because you got a hundred contract, which are so sought after, particularly in the third edition. There's so much more competition to get them. How did that all happen? And you also went to the side which were two time champions. Yeah. So um, it's kind of crazy if you told me at the start of this year all the things that would have happened this year. I'd have probably laughed and said that was that was ridiculous but yeah so basically I was it was the last week of July I was I was actually on call that evening I was um up at a farm um actually just on the Scottish border and I, I was doing uh what we call a tail amputation for a cow that, 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 that had sort of damaged its tail pretty badly and um yeah, I basically went to get my phone at the end of the call and noticed I had a text from someone called Jonathan Batty, who at the time I hadn't really heard of, I'll be honest. Um, and he said, oh, I'm the head coach of the Oval Invincibles. Can you give me a ring? And I was like, this is really weird. Um, but I was like, I better give him a ring. So I phoned him on my way back from the call. I had about an hour's drive. So I gave him a ring and, and he was basically just offered me a contract, um, which came obviously completely out of the blue. Like I haven't played a game in the Rachel Hale Flint or Charlotte Edwards Cup, um, but I'd gone pretty well with Scotland this summer. And, and he told me that he'd watched quite a lot of footage against our, uh, with our series against the Netherlands and Thailand. Um, and he said that he'd spoken to a couple of people that knew me and um, yeah, he wanted to offer me a contract. And I was honestly like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, crazy. I had to uh, phone work the next morning um, on my day off on my drive down to Manchester. I was like, so um, I phoned my 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 boss, who is a cricket fan, because I knew that he would know what the hundred was and how big a deal it was. Um, and yeah, it was taken to the the directors and, and they decided on literally two days notice that if I did that weekend on call, then I could go on the Monday. So that's what I did. Went down to London on the Monday was warming up at Lords on Tuesday and then we well our game actually got rained off on the Wednesday but yeah it was just surreal it happened so quickly wow you're such a difficult employee as to be said they must be so relieved when you handed in your notice in the end yeah I think they weren't really that surprised because recently it's just been like more and more time off um to try and get cricket and yeah I've, I've taken quite a bit of unpaid leave I took the whole of August off as unpaid leave for the hundreds and um yeah when I think to be honest they've been so great like they were so supportive they like um you know everyone was behind me and and like looking out for me but I didn't get the chance to play but to be honest I wasn't expecting to at all like I was an injury replacement at last minute um and it was just an amazing experience to be there in the first place so um wouldn't complain anyway yeah I mean I absolutely amazing opportunities and experiences um that you've had I want to focus a little bit on Scotland now um because um in fact it, it's interesting that you've played so much cricket in September and October, it's been an absolutely rammed autumn for you. It, it it seems to me. Talk us a little bit about the the European qualifiers that you played um, earlier in the season, and um, and what that was like playing against you know teams like uh, France. Yeah, so we um, went out in September to Desert Springs in Spain um, for the European qualifiers. Um, 
it was it was really good actually we, we kind of went into the tournament kind of favorites to win as we're the highest ranked team there and that's exactly what we wanted to do um we'd only played four international games since the previous september and that was our little tri series in july against the netherlands and that was a really long gap between sort of playing cricket um and on a personal note like i'd played that tour in july come back to work and then got called up to 100 and obviously didn't play so i hadn't actually played any mate games of cricket before i went to the um to the qualifiers so I was a little bit hesitant you know I trained a lot I'd had really good experiences learned a lot but not actually played any cricket which is feels it always feels different bowling in a game to in the nets so um yeah it was a it was a really great tournament and um, it was nice to see different people stand up and take responsibilities in different games Um, I think we were quite impressed with France and Italy they especially France we played them about five oh no I can't remember from 2021 we played them in the last European qualifiers and they'd improved a lot since then Um, and yeah we were just we just tried to go about our business and be as sort of professional as we could be. Um, and thankfully, you know, after we, we lost a game to Netherlands, which if we then had lost again, we would have come second and we didn't want to do that. So we knew that we had to beat them by a large margin and we knew that net run rate would come into it. So we chose to bat first in a couple of our games to sort of try and put big totals on the board and then bowl teams out, which we managed to do. I think we scored two games. We scored over 200 in T20s. Um, which was brilliant to see. Like we broke a record for the highest T20 score for Scotland women twice that week. Um, so yeah, it was just really good, and I think we were just really chuffed to come away with with the trophy at the end of it and and to qualify for those global qualifiers. Yeah, you mentioned the global qualifiers, which of course are coming up. And I suppose the Scotland team over the last few years have, have just got stronger and stronger with more players playing in things like the hundred or playing around the world, having those experiences overseas and things like that. What do you think your chances are for the qualifiers? I mean, of course, you're going to say, yeah, we could win. But, you know, what do you think in terms of your place in in global cricket, really? Yeah, it's difficult. I think, you know, we do lack a, a few resources. So we probably don't play as much cricket as a team together as we want. And even, you know, we don't really train together that much as a squad. A squad. Um, as you say, there's quite a lot of players down in England. Um, our captain is down in England. And so we're not together as a squad a lot until we go away on tour. So it's been really nice that we've had this extra series against Ireland just now that we've had some real good time to spend and, and to play together. Um, but yeah, I think having played this series against Ireland, I think we are probably a bit more confident that we have a real chance of qualifying for that World Cup. You know, Ireland are a full member. They're quite they're ranked quite a few spaces above us and we beat them in both an ODI and a T20I in the last week, um, which has been really good for us, especially with how much pr- cricket they play. Like, you know, they've played against Australia, Pakistan, and they've had numerous series this summer and we've not really. So um, I think we can take a lot of confidence from that and, and hopefully you know put it all together when it matters the most and that's what it's a bit frustrating in the past we've maybe not done that we've had days where we've bowled really well and then we haven't backed up with the batting and then we've had days where we've batted brilliantly and we haven't bowled as well so it's just about sort of if we can put a full performance together where everyone plays their best I think there's there's no chance that we wouldn't qualify um but it's just about trying to play play our best on that day that counts yeah, and Ireland are a bit of a, a role model country, really, aren't they? They're the kind of logical next step uh, for you uh, to try and emulate what they've achieved. And as you said, it's, it's quite possible looking at the results you've had against them. Thinking about playing ODIs, because these are the first ODIs Scotland have played, I think I'm right in saying. And, um, I mean, I, many players in the Scotland team actually never played 50-over cricket ever before. Yeah, so these are the first ODIs, I think, since the early 2000s. They did play some and then we lost ODI status because we didn't play any, um, probably because there wasn't any opportunity to play. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was amazing um, 
to to go out and play those those was our first ODI and we won our first ODI in pretty much 20 years um against a full member nation so it couldn't have had a better start to be honest and we were all absolutely buzzing about that um but yeah a lot of the girls don't play a lot of 50 over cricket um it was this year we decided that some of our regional cricket which is when we sort of have it's what we call our super series um uh we played some 50 over cricket just to in preparation for that um but yeah, a lot of people were like, oh my goodness, it's so long. It's a full day. <laughs> it's not like you play two T20s and the games are over in a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely a great experience. And I kind of went into the week a bit hesitant. I haven't played much 50 over cricket myself. Like obviously I play men's cricket and I played club cricket, um, but not at that sort of standard. So um, I was I was looking forward to it. I was a bit hesitant. I thought oh, I'm a T20 bowler, but I actually really enjoyed bowling in the ODIs. It just felt much more fun. So yeah. Yeah, and you had an excellent individual series, I suppose. You got that Pfeiffer um, and you also picked up a, a couple of other wickets. So, you know, I mean, I know you said you hadn't played much cricket and I suppose you had the European qualifiers, but how did that Pfeiffer happen? Was it just kind of a good day or was there anything in particular that you you prepared that day? Yeah, um, honestly, I don't really know. Um, just felt, I actually came into the day feeling really tired and body was a bit sore. It was a third ODI we played in five days and we've, as, as a team that's not played much ODI cricket, that was a big load. Um, I think by the end of it, I'd bowled 28 overs in in five days. Um, but yeah, I just, I kind of thought, I feel a bit tired. I feel a bit sore, but um, I think we can win another game of cricket today. So just gave it my all. And for some reason it worked. I don't know. <laughs> I've been working really hard on bowling over the past few years and I think I haven't really had that many rewards and I think this season's probably the first where I've been a regular wicket taker which has been really nice to be able to contribute to the team winning um, and unfortunately that FIFA didn't <laughs> uh, we, we lost the, the game which probably we should have won and we, we talked a lot about that loss and um, we looked like we were cruising to victory we were two down in the 35th over with only needing 60 70 runs and, and we bottled it basically um, which was really frustrating but you know it was just a great experience anyway to play to play these those games so it seems to me 2024 is going to be a huge year for you isn't it, it it's kind of you you've made a huge sacrifice a huge decision and it, this is the year it, it's got to happen for you how are you feeling about that yeah I'm excited I'm nervous it's going to be a big change um but I think like what the feedback I've had, especially from Thunder, was like we're really impressed with how much you've improved just being here one two days a week. Like, what what could you do if you were here more? Um, so hopefully, hopefully I'll get an opportunity next year. Um, you just never know. Like they they've got a team full of great bowlers, so um, it's hard to sort of find your find your opportunity. But hopefully, I'll just be ready and and ready for it when it comes. Um, yeah, I think fingers crossed it goes well next year. Hopefully, we'll qualify for a World Cup and then see where the year takes us. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Bit bit nervous, apprehensive about sort of leaving the career behind for a wee while. But I know that I will sort of, I'll always have, I'll always have it to fall back on. Absolutely, and and loads of the Thunder girls have got dogs, so they'll bring their dogs to you. I I know Ellie Threlkeld, I think, has dogs. Yeah, yeah. You can just set up a little clinic after the game, so you can kind of keep your hand in the vet thing and in the cricket at the same time it's perfect yeah I think I think every session I had at Thunder that one of the coaches would be like oh can I just ask you a quick question about my dog Hannah it's been great to catch up with you thank you so much and really really well done on all you've achieved uh, this season and, and this autumn in your, in your autumn cricket in, <laughs> over in Spain and uh, you know I'm just full of admiration for the, the 
the steps that you're taking, the risks that you're taking. I just really hope that it, it works really, really well for you. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. I so enjoyed speaking to her. And I think she is taking a, a really exciting risk in her life at the moment. Yeah, because I guess this is with all sports people, really, that your actual playing career is quite short compared to the rest of your life. And I suppose with something like being a vet, it's great, but it also is so time consuming and demanding that actually being a being an athlete is really it's difficult anyway but if you've got a really demanding job around it it's almost impossible um so actually while she can have a playing career chucking everything at that I think is is a really good idea and then she can go back and be on the farms again um and actually that that's still feasible um so no I think it's really brave but I think it's a really good decision because yeah you could kind of stay on you could you, I guess your cricket would kind of plateau really if you were trying to do both things full-time and potentially even go downhill um but trying to do as much as you can and travel well play international cricket that sort of thing um while that's possible go do it it's great um so yeah I, I find that really really interesting it's great to see everything that's happening with Scottish cricket at the moment it feels like it's really on the up yeah, I guess the contracts have made a big difference because it's now a possibility to, um, well, I mean, you get paid to play cricket and that's a massive opportunity. Um, and so I, I suppose also that encourages more people in the age groups to continue with it because um, for so many reasons, there's a massive dropout and of people kind of my age or younger, like particularly girls in sport. Um, but actually for people to be like, oh, it's a job that that makes a difference because people's parents are going to be less discouraging of it as an option or, um, or people will just see it and think actually, yeah, you know, that's a job that's valid to say, I want to be a cricketer as much as it's be, I want to be a teacher or whatever. Yeah. So we, so Scotland are through to the world um, qualifiers, aren't they? Global in, qualifiers. The, 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 in, the, the intergalactic qualifiers. I think they're up against Mars in the ah. first round. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so that'll be really interesting. That's coming up in the next couple of months. Yes, it is. So we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on our social media. So our Instagram and our TikTok is Naughty Child Podcast and our Twitter is OO Child Podcast. <laughs>